0: All right, so we're, uh, chapter 1, verse 16, we've been looking at this section, and I, I wanted to get to this last week, it just didn't get to it. Again, you people keep me going off on different directions, it's your fault, and uh, you people, yeah, so for, uh, so Paul says, for verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, so we talked About that last week for it is the power it is the gospel is the power not your witnessing not your persuasion not your wisdom um, not your abilities uh, the gospel present the gospel let the gospel do its work present the word let the word do its work now you may need to talk to people about believing the word that it is the word but all they need to do is believe that's the important thing. Like I said, you can chisel the gospel on stone and put it on a, out on a on a marble slab and somebody can come along and read words chiseled in marble and get born again. So, because it is the power there, faith taps into the promise, the power that God has put in his word. And so, we talked about that last week. So, and it's a power to everyone who believes, Jew first, also to the Greeks, the wise, etc. cetera, um, the wise, the foolish, the barbarians, which simply means the people that the Greeks thought were below them. You know, none, none of us are that way, but, you know, th- so many other so- societies, cultures, have a caste system that is just, it's just ingrained in their culture. And um, what is unfortunate is that we're kind of seeing some of that begin to develop in our nation, and we don't want it. Um, We're all one people, and uh, we all have one color of blood, and we've all been redeemed by His blood. Uh, He died for every one of us. God openly recognizes race and ethnic origins, and nationalities, and tongues. God recognizes all those, and He says in the book of Revelation, but they're all going to be here. Mm-hmm. And so it's, a, it's an important thing that we understand that this gospel is for everyone, and it brings everyone to one level, which in a sense is what Paul here presents in verse 17. Probably one of the key verses in all of the Bible uh, Special in the fact that part of this verse is quoted four times in the Bible, once in the Old Testament, three times in the New Testament, the righteous shall live by faith. And so this, this statement uh, is is somehow woven into everything that God wants to say to mankind. The hope for those in the Old Testament and the stability that we need Uh, for our life in the New Testament, and each time that Paul uses this phrase, he uses it in a little bit different of a capacity, but that's not my subject, and I'm not going to get caught away on that. If you want to know about it, you'll just have to wait till some later day, and I'll talk about it. Okay, but he says, for in it, that is in this gospel, the righteousness of God, and that's really where I want to focus on tonight, the righteousness of God. Then there's some things that this righteousness is but there's a lot that it is not and sometimes a better understanding of what it is and what it is not helps us to um, gain everything we can from this word so in the gospel in the gospel right so that's the it there refers to the gospel in the gospel which is what just the story of Jesus? Is the gospel just the story of Jesus? No, it's the story of redemption, yeah. Jonathan, it's, it's a story that goes all the way back to the garden. In fact, according to Titus, chapter 1 and verse 2, it goes all the way back to the time when the ages began. So this gospel is all the way to the beginning of God's purpose and plan for mankind. So whenever it was... That God decided to do something about man if it was an eternity before it happened. In the ages that were past, God formed this gospel. And this gospel was that he was going to deal with our sin. Not us. Not others. Not the blood of bulls and goats, though that was a picture So that we could see that sin cost something. So you had to kill the animal. So that you knew that what you had done. Was drastic. And demanded the death of something else. I don't know what kind of animal it was. I believe just in myself a lamb. But. Adam and Eve sinned. Their nakedness was there. They knew that they had violated God's holiness. There was something in them that left, and a darkness had come over them. And God came and covered them with skins. Where did he get the skins? He took them from an animal. So the first animal to die was at the hands of God. I believe a lamb, simply because that becomes so much the symbol of sacrifice that precedes, and uh, we come to uh, we come to Cain and Abel. It was a lamb. To Noah, it was a lamb. To Abraham, it was a lamb. Then you came all the way to to Moses it was a lamb and the law was a lamb over and over it's the lamb yeah I know bullocks were in there and and doves and pigeons but consistently the the most significant sacrifice was the lamb and so then we come down to Jesus and John the Baptist saw him and said behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world so that's why I believe don't go out and say, hey, Jeff said that uh, the first animal that died was a lamb. I didn't say that. I said I can see that that would be it. But blood was shed. And so that becomes the thing. And if, and if all it is is somebody else is shedding the blood and you're, you know, like grandfather clausing in on it, no. You have to do it. You have to. And so even with the Passover, you bring the lamb in your home and you live with it for four days and then you put it to death in the doorway. Oh, yes, of course, you put the children in the back room so that their eyes are covered and they don't. No, you do it in front of the children so that they see. This is what sin cost, Blood. And so as we're getting ready to talk about righteousness, righteousness. And this gospel, the gospel demanded blood. The gospel is not just the story of Jesus coming and walking on earth for three years and then on a cross and then going to heaven and waiting for us now. That's that's in the gospel. But the gospel is greater. The gospel is God saying, I'm going to deal with your sin and I'm going to do it this way. We wrote a whole chapter in in the book of isaiah god gave him a whole song actually starts in chapter 52 and verse 13 and it goes into this whole song of the suffering servant and it's about what god was going to do to redeem mankind so that's all in the gospel and that this gospel is the proclamation that god is going to deal with our sin and he did through who Jesus Christ and has now made that available to us by what a five letter word faith all of that all that God has done is available to us by one little thing faith not your works not your ability not your wisdom not your connections none of those things matter faith who can have faith Anyone, everybody does. People that are atheists, they have faith. They have faith that you know it, uh, it's going the weatherman was right. it's not going to rain today. Well, if that's the one they got, they sure missed it this morning. You know it, it, we use faith all the time. You buy something on Amazon and you believe it's going to arrive. And then somebody else gets something and they say, well, I have no idea what this is, but I'm going to keep it. So, you know, or a porch pirate steals it from you. But you order things by faith. You, you bought a car by faith. You go out and start your car by faith. Faith is active in so much of our life all the time. All God says is, believe me. Believe what I promised. Believe what I have done. Believe, which believe is the verb form for the noun faith. So I know people, faith and belief are different things. No, they're not. One's a verb, one's a noun, get over it. Okay. Well, you may have, you know, you may believe but you gotta have faith. It's like, okay, all right, I'm off on a tangent. Jeff's rants. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God. I want you to kind of highlight that phrase, because this is really what this is all about. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith unto faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So that comes from Habakkuk chapter 2, which we'll look at here in a little bit. All right, so God's righteousness revealed. When we talk about God's righteousness, what really are we talking about? Well, first of all, let's kind of define the word righteous. Righteous comes from the root word, which is for justice, decay. And the idea of justice, that someone has done something wrong And it is evaluated. And so justice has, it it presupposes a judgment. That there's been judgment of something. And that the judgment, according to our God, is always what? True. It's always right. The judgments that take place in this world are not always right. Man's justice is often wrong. Our idea of justice is often wrong. What we think needs to happen is often wrong. To us, justice is you killed my kid, I'm going to kill your kid. That's not justice. There's no justice in that, that's revenge. So, righteousness has to do with. From God's perspective, with being judged that what you did was wrong and God making it right. All right, so that's the idea. To be made righteous is to be made right. Mm -hmm. To be made just, to be brought up. Um, A lot of people say righteousness is, you know, to um, equal standing or um, to stand on the same plane with God, um, yes, but because something else happened. Something, before you can stand on an equal plane with God, something had to happen. And righteousness includes that. That there was something wrong, and now God has done something to make it right, or you did. Right, but... We can't be saved by our righteousness. Now, you could do wrong to somebody in this world. You could do wrong to someone in your family, and you can make it right. Is that true? You can make it right. You pay back what you've done as much as you can. Some things, it's it's almost impossible to pay it back, but you do, you do your best to make it right. And so people say, well, you need to go make that right with this person. That's the idea of making something just, Righteousness. And it's an important principle. But when it comes to God, first of all, the righteousness of God, we're not talking about God being righteous because that's like a foregone conclusion. It's like saying God is holy. Yes, he is, but that's not the subject here. And the fact that God is righteous, yes, but not because he ever did anything wrong that he had to be made righteous. It's just he's right. Okay? So that's a better way of thinking of God. He's just right, just like he's holy. Don't think of holy, as I've said before, don't think of holy as to not sin. We think holiness means not sinning. No. Holiness means to be exclusive, to be set apart. And God is holy. That means he's like nothing else. No one like him. Nothing else like him. He is exclusive. He is individual, nothing like our God. No one like him. Holy! And of course, because he's different than everything else, no, he doesn't sin. He doesn't lie. He doesn't change. He's different than everything else that we know. So if we're going to be holy, what are we going to be? Different. Like him. So when it talks about the gospel, in it the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. This isn't about God being righteous and it's not about you being righteous now have we been made righteous yes Yes. but not before God did something and that's what the righteousness of God is about it's what God has done the righteousness of God is the acts he has performed the things that he has done to make us right to make us acceptable, to bring us to salvation, to redeem us, and so God's righteousness is revealed in the gospel. Can I say it this way? God's working, God's working is revealed in the gospel. His actions are revealed in the gospel. His purposes are revealed in the gospel, and all of that goes together to form his righteousness, his purposes, his plans, his actions, his promises. All those things that God has done. And the gospel reveals what God has done to redeem us. Not what you do to redeem yourself. The gospel's not about you. The gospel is about him. And about God bringing about what he promised he would do. He promised That the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. He did. He promised one thing after another in the Old Testament. God promised, God promised. He performed. He promised that a virgin would conceive and bear a child. He promised. He promised the child would be born in Bethlehem. He promised. He promised that his son would. Be anointed and would deliver people from sickness and disease and weakness and rescue the poor. He promised. He promised his son would die on a cross. He promised his son would raise from the dead. All those things he promised. And what? He did them. He did them. So, righteousness. In, in this passage, the righteousness of God is God's working, God's actions, his purposes to redeem us. And the gospel reveals that. And what happens is people have not been introduced to the gospel, so they don't know what God has done to redeem them. And that's what the story is all about. That's why we tell the same story all the time. I mean, there's really one story. And we change parts of it here and change parts of it there. I, I was looking for a, for a Christmas message this last Sunday to something. It's like, okay, I want to I wanna teach something nobody else has ever taught. <laughs> <laughs> and any of you have the done teaching or preaching? Mm-hmm. Now, the pressure's on Gwen. She's teaching Sunday school this next week. It's up to her to preach something <laughs> nobody else has ever taught. But it's the same story. Oh, we change this part of it and that part of it and tell it in a different way. But it's just it's just one story. God gave His Son. There it is. His Son died on a cross and rose from the dead. That's it. That's the that's the story. That's what God promised and that's what God did. So. When we talk about it, it is the righteousness of God that is revealed, not the righteousness of man, because we're going to look at in the next, the rest of chapter one, and then on into chapter two, and the part of chapter three, we're going to look at three different categories of people and their standing toward righteousness, people that have established their own way. Then there's people who say, I'm righteous because how I was born, my, my race, my descendancy. I am this, therefore I am righteous. And then there's other people It's well. My actions are righteous. I've done the right things. Maybe I wasn't born of the right line and I wasn't, okay, I'll say Jewish, you know, so I, I don't get in on that part, but man, I've done, I've done better than them. But see, the gospel is not about your righteousness. It's about the righteous acts of God to redeem us. What did God do to redeem us? And so this is the story of the gospel. Again, just to go back and, and emphasize see, nor in the, gospel, in the gospel does it describe God's character, it's shown. You know, we we could we could search in vain for scriptures that tell us this part of God's character, that part of God's but you have to read the story and see it. God's character is seen in what he did. Never does God stop and explain, okay, this is this is how I love this is what love means and this is what i'm going to do i'm going to show you how love is this is what love is not never in the bible does god stop and do that he just does what he loves (laughs) He, he loves he shows his love by what he does and so we we can see those things and that's the same thing we get with the righteousness we have to see god doing these things and so this is really the subject of this letter. This is what Paul's going to develop all the way through. Francis Buchanan was telling me she and, she and, and Bob listen on, online. They listen to the podcasts, and they listen together, and they talk about it. And they were talking the other day, and she told me this morning, she said, Bob just looked at me this morning. He said, you know what? This book of Romans is all about the righteousness of God. He said, God says it one way. And he said, you didn't get that? Well, let me say it another way. Oh, you didn't get that? Well, let me say it another way. You didn't get that? Well, let me explain it this way. And it's, it's like over and over. He keeps coming back to the same things. And so we'll see that as we progress through this through this book. But it's it's not about our religion. Because you know what? God doesn't care about your religion. He'll save anybody. Yeah, but I'm Buddhist or I'm Hindu or I'm atheist. God doesn't care. He'll save you if you believe. That's as simple as that. God doesn't care about your works. Well, I've done a lot of good stuff. Or, man, I've done a lot of bad stuff. God doesn't care. He'll save you. Do you believe in him? God doesn't about your wisdom, how much you've got figured out. You know, have you got the world figured out? If you think you do, just turn on the news. And you'll see, yeah, I I do not have this world figured out. There are some crazy things happening, and there are some people thinking things. It's like, no way. People, People actually think that? (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're just pretending that they think that. No, there's people that really think that. Our wisdom won't save us. Luther, and I, I got this in the bottom of your page here, Luther. Um, as Luther was pursuing you know, his role in the Catholic Church, and he had been assigned positions, and he was teaching at the university, uh, they made a mistake the Roman Church made a mistake. They gave him the assignment to teach the Psalms, the Book of Romans, the Book of Galatians. Hmm. Not really the right thing for for Martin because it was in those books that all of the Reformation opened up to him it's like they assigned him the wrong things but he would have found it in another book I think but in in that day the interpretation of righteousness was judgment all they saw was the judgment side and yes righteousness includes the idea that something has been judged Something has been evaluated. And now it's been resolved. Let's think of Abraham. The Bible says God, Abraham believed God. And it was imputed to him as righteousness. The word imputed means written down. And so God marked it off as, as righteousness. So Abraham believed the promise that God said God evaluated that and wrote it down as righteousness right so that he was made righteous or brought in because he had believed God so what the Roman church at this time had done is they turned it into just the justice that all it was was about God's justice God is just God's is holy, God is always pure and right. And he sits on this throne of judgment and everything comes before him. Now understand that the Roman church does not see in times like we do. And so because the Roman church sees that the earthly pope is ruling under the authority uh, of Jesus Christ, um, forget everything, that you think of the end times, uh, to them, that was God's rule of the earth was through the Roman Church, and that's the way they saw it. And that the judgment and the justice of God was being exercised by those, and Martin Luther found this extremely difficult to live under. No matter what he did, it it, it troubled him. He could not get through, that God is nothing but a judge. God is nothing but some vindictive, sitting on a throne, pointing fingers, throwing lightning bolts, whatever, you know, that he felt this judgment of God, no matter how much he repented, no matter how much he beat himself, and he did with the whips, and he fasted. He could not get rid of this anger against God and he was considering even giving up everything. But in his meditations he came to this passage and all it did is made him angry because as it says there in your paragraph, before, before God the judging one, God is the judging one, individuals were only acceptable as we were continually repentant and humble. So if you're not continually repentant and humble, then you're not acceptable to God. And that's a very bad application of a very bad translation. Um, And they got it out of the righteous shall live by faith or the judged ones. The judged ones, those who've had sin burned out of them, driven out of them. Now, what happened was this is what they saw. The ascended Jesus sat as a fearful judge on a throne in heaven and under him was the Pope. And all of this judgment came down upon them. Now let me just, this is just a little practice here. If you have a very angry father and you need something, you go to your mother. Mother mom did you talk to dad about this or i know dad said no but can you yeah that's okay i'll cover it for you and that's exactly what they did with mary and that's how mary ascended to this position of the intercessor jesus was angry He's a judge. He's coming back. He's going to burn everyone who you know needs to be in hell, and um, but Mary's your helper, so let's ask Mary. And the, the point was, even after death, you're subjected to because in the 1300s, a man named Dante wrote a fanciful book. You know, it was it was a fantasy. It's called a divine comedy, which it's, comedy doesn't mean something you laugh at. It means a, a story with something else implied. We would almost call it a fable. And so he wrote this story, and they took his story and inserted it into their theology of people having to pay for their sin even after they died. So it's not enough that you pay for your sin in this life. You've got to pay for it after you die. And so they brought all those things in, and there were what we call indulgences and pilgrimages and penitence, physical beating of yourself and fasting, and all these things were added so that you could somehow get out. In Luther's day, there was a man, Tetzel, his name was Tetzel, who was in charge of all the indulgences in that region, and they assigned him this job of collecting money so that they could pay for the. Sistine Chapel that Michelangelo had just painted, and they didn't have money, and the Pope was bankrupt, so go raise us some money, and so he went out. He came up with the idea you could pay ahead on your sins. So if you know you're going to have a really wild weekend, pay ahead, you know, just put it in a bank, you know, and it's like a credit, credit thing, and you can pay ahead on your sins so he came up with that and then the other was you know you want to pay for your relatives you had a relative that's suffering you know then a couple thousand dollars you know to the church <laughs> i can i can move them up a level and uh all of this came out and it that was one of the things that pushed luther over the edge he'd had enough and so as he was meditating on these things God opened his heart. Um, Top of your next page. I just wrote it in here. Uh, These are Luther's own words. He said, I had greatly longed to understand Paul's letter to the Romans. And nothing stood in the way but the one expression, the righteousness of God or the judgment. That's how he translated it. The judgment of God. Because I took it to mean a righteousness whereby God is righteous and acts righteously in punishing the unrighteous. Not helping us, but punishing us. That's how they saw it. And so righteousness was because God had punished you, punished you, punished you, punished you. Did our sin demand punishment? By who? God. God Himself. Through who? His son, Jesus. Yes, God demands punishment. You cannot be made righteous if someone isn't punished. And thank you, it was Jesus. Amen. Amen. And God poured all of his wrath. But he didn't see it that way. That was not within him. Because I took it to mean a righteousness whereby God is righteous and acts righteously in punishing the unrighteous night and day I pondered until I grasped the truth that the righteousness of God is that righteousness whereby through grace and sheer mercy he justifies us by faith. Not by punishing us, but by his grace and his sheer mercy he makes us righteous because all we did is believed. Again, they designed him not only the book of Romans, but the book of Galatians. Oh, and Hebrews, too. (laughs) Thereupon, he says, I felt myself to be reborn. Luther's words. And to have gone through an open door into paradise. The whole of Scripture took on a new meaning. And whereas before the righteousness of God had filled me with hate... Now it became to me inexpressibly sweet. This passage of Paul became to me a gateway into heaven. Isn't that great? And so this began the transition of Luther into understanding. Now, I just picked out the rest of our page here. I picked out some passages through Romans, where Paul just keeps bringing this subject up. And many of these passages are familiar to all of you, but let's let's look at these. Romans chapter 3. This is Paul's gospel, right? This is how he wants to explain what he believes that God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Romans 3, verse 21, But now, the righteousness of God, the right acting of God, the right working of God has been manifest apart from the law. Why? Because the law demanded you do it. But God did it for us. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So they demanded it out of the law, but the law and the prophets said, no god's going to deal with your sin verse 22 the righteousness of god through faith through faith in jesus christ for all who believe it's obtained this righteousness of god is obtained by what faith to all who believe or all who have faith so it's made available there is a righteousness apart from the law yeah the jews live under that law and they pride themselves under that law and it was was a real very obvious thing back in paul's day it remember paul's writing this there's still a temple in jerusalem they're still offering and burning sacrifices the Jewish religion was still very much works and all of that. Today, it's more philosophical. But in their day, it was burn animals, kill sacrifices, make all these things right. You do this work. You live by this law. And so there was very much of this, I guess, just flamboyant, is the only word I can look up. of. Uh, Righteousness, or seeking of righteousness by the Jewish people, but Paul says, "No, this is a righteous apart from the law, totally separate." That to me is one of the great passages, which, again, we'll cover. But then we go on to verse twenty-three, Romans chapter three, verse twenty-three. For all have sinned, all, all, Jews gentiles barbarians (coughs) wise foolish all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god and are justified by his grace as a gift that's the righteousness of god god's right action he had justified us made us righteous again the word justified comes from the same root and he has made us righteous by his grace as a gift how through the redemption that is in christ jesus whom god put forward as a propitiation big word by his blood propitiation simply means you know all that wrath that luther couldn't deal with all that wrath that needed to be poured out All that wrath that you're going to have to pay for in purgatory. Because Dante said so. And you're going to have to do this and do that. And you're going to have to be in this level and then move up to this one. And pay money if you want to skip, you know, up a couple levels. All of that. Payment. That satisfied God's demands. That's what propitiation means. To satisfy the demand, the anger, the wrath. I know there's people that don't like the idea that we talk about wrath, the wrath of God. Sorry, it's in the Bible. Talk about it. Jesus removed it. He took upon himself the full wrath of God. And so Paul says, whom God put forward as a propitiation, one who removes the wrath of God You know another word for propitiation is? Mercy seat. It's the Greek word that's used for the mercy seat. What did you do on the mercy seat? What did they do? What did they do? They poured the blood. They poured out the blood on the mercy seat. So that the wrath in the law, which was righteous and holy... Would not come out and destroy them. The blood absorbed all of that. Oh, yeah, and here's an important phrase highlighted in green to be received how? <laughs> by faith. To receive. See, there's people that say, well, God's done this for everybody, so everybody's saved. No, you're not, because you have to believe. It's to be received by what? faith the righteousness has to be received by faith it's righteousness to everyone who believes he goes on this was to show god's righteousness god's righteous acting his righteous purposes and plans that he himself brought together and worked because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins Aren't you glad that God passed over all your former sins and left it up to one thing? Do you believe in my son? Yeah, but what about my this and what about my that and what about? No, it's one thing. I know people that have a hard time with understanding the forgiveness of God. How can God forgive my sin? How could he? He has. Because in his forbearance, he passed over our former sins. It was to show what? His righteousness Mm -hmm. at the present time so that, I love this, he might be just or righteous and the righteouser, (laughs) righteous right? The justifier Mm -hmm. of the one who has what? faith in Jesus. There's no being made just before the justifier if there's no faith in Jesus. I know. That's not a popular message today. And there are churches, denominations, dividing over that. We were with some people who are, whose church is going through the division, a Methodist church, and their church is going through division, and one person had met with the bishop over that region, and one of the statements from the bishop is, is we don't have to all agree on who Jesus is. Uh. Um. say, so, wait a minute. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, we do. There's, 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 there is no other thing. He, he either is who he is or he isn't, okay. There's not degrees, there's not, well, he's partially this and maybe part of that, and maybe you think he was this and you think he was that. Hey, this is what Jesus is to me and this is what he, no, 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 no. There is one Jesus, one faith, one Lord, right? Yeah, we, we. We do have to agree on who Jesus is. And you may be a bishop, but you're also wrong. (laughs) Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, look at verse 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteous, apart from works. God counts righteousness apart from works. David David speaks of this. So Paul reaches back to Psalm 32 and quotes David, applying David's words. Now, David didn't know he was proclaiming the gospel. He's just writing what's in his heart. He's just writing a a relief, a, a, a praise to God for what God has done for him. Because of an incredible wickedness that David had performed. But listen to his words. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. And whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Oh, David. He had no idea what he was saying. He's just writing his little pen. I don't know what they wrote with, but clay tablets, I don't know what they wrote on. David's just writing a song of praise to God, and he's showing the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God is revealed in the fact that he has removed your sin, it's covered. And the Lord will not count sin. Oh my! Now there are people that say you need to you need to count up your sins. You need to repent of every sin that you've ever committed. What? I, I can hardly remember last week. It's like, don't. Please don't make me go back and try to think of it. And if I go back and think about them, I'm reliving them. Yeah, that's right. And as then it's like, yeah, I'm back into that junk that I was in before. Thank God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified, how? By faith, By faith. Yes. made righteous. See the word justified? It's also the word made righteous. We have been justified or made righteous by faith. We have peace with God. The old cowboy movie said, you better make your peace with God, right? And then because I'm going to kill you, right? So make your peace with God. Well, you know what? I couldn't make peace with God. I didn't have anything to come to the table with. So Jesus went to the table for me and he sat down to the table and he made peace with God. How? Through his blood. He poured out his blood and he made peace with God for me. And so I have (laughs) peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse two, through him. We have also obtained access by faith. The word access is a a personal invitation to enter the throne. That's the idea of the throne room. It's a personal invitation of someone coming out from the king, taking your hand, and bringing you back into the presence of the king. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. God didn't just get rid of our sin. He brought us into the very presence of God so that we can be there. Not just delivered from hell, not just walking on this earth, but seated with God. In a heavenly place. All of this through Jesus Christ. That's the righteous activity of God. I hope you're getting my picture of this. Romans chapter 5. And the free gift, righteousness, but I can't quote the whole chapter. The free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. What one man's sin? Who are we talking about? Adam. For the judgment following one trespass, Adam's sin, brought condemnation, judgment. But the free gift, following many trespasses, brought justification. So one sin, and we all died. Right? We're all judged. But, Billions of sins and one man's blood. Wow. Paul says it's not the same. I know you think, well, it's not fair that we all died in Adam. Yeah, it is. So that God could redeem us. We all died in Adam so that we could all be in this picture. So that it wasn't... My righteousness, it's his. It's his righteous work on my behalf that he brought me in. so the free gift following many trespasses brought righteousness, justification. Verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one, much more Will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Adam fell and death reigned. (laughs) Jesus died and rose from the dead and life reigns. Grace reigns. And we reign in life through him. Yeah, we might face physical death. I know we might. It might happen in our lifetime. might not. But you know what? It's just just a veil. It's just passing from this realm to the next realm. Why? Because I'm already dead. And I've been made alive in Jesus Christ. Top of your next page. So this righteousness of God... That's been made apparent in the gospel. This righteousness goes from faith to faith. This is one of the most difficult passages in the, in the New Testament translate Because everybody's got a different idea of what it means. So here's mine. All right. I, I found very few commentaries to agree on what this passage means. So here's what I got. When one believes, that's faith, you exercise faith. When you believe, you're made righteous so that I might live a righteous life as I believe in God's promises, faith that brought me in and faith that allows me to stand, faith by which I was made whole, saved, redeemed. And faith by which I live. And that faith by which I live will lead me through this life into eternity. But it couldn't if there wasn't the first faith. The first faith has to take place. You've got to be saved. You've got to be redeemed. You've got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you can have faith to bring you through. To God's perfect place of victory. And here's how it happens. As it is written, the righteous one shall live by faith. Now, a lot of times in our teaching, we, we emphasize the living by faith, and that's an important principle. And learning to live by faith is an important thing for every believer, and we should be teaching people and helping people And showing them what it means to live by faith. But living by faith is meaningless if you are not righteous. You've got to be righteous first. So that's the first faith. It's the righteous shall live by faith. See, and we emphasize the faith side, and I know that's important, and I don't want to take it away. But it doesn't help anything if I'm not righteous. And being righteous is the first thing. You must be righteous. As it is written, he says, quoting from Habakkuk. The emphasis is on the righteousness, not on the faith. Only the righteous will live. Now, they, And they should live by their faith but you got to be righteous. And they're righteous. How do they get righteous? Oh, by faith in the gospel. Yeah. So, yeah. So faith is involved in getting there, but faith is also involved in the living. I need to live by faith, but I need to be made righteous first. I need to know I'm righteous. I need to have an understanding that the fact that God has, has made me, he's looked at, What was wrong, he judged it, and he made it right. God resolved that so that I could be in, quote, right standing with God, that I could be brought to a place with him. Now I can live by faith because I've been made righteous. And I was made righteous so that I could live by faith. So all of this goes around in a a circle That starts with my being made righteous. Why? Because I believe the gospel. Mm -hmm. See, in it, in the gospel, the righteous work of God is revealed. God did His work. I believed. I've been made righteous. Now I can live by faith. An unbeliever, they can express faith. Unbelievers can express faith, but there's a problem. They're not righteous. So when it comes down to it, they will not be accepted before God. Said, but yeah, but, but I live by faith. You may have, but you never believed the promise of Jesus Christ. You must be saved. Hebrews chapter, or Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4 says, uh, read the vision, make it plain, write it down. He tells him, you know, how that, that whole passage goes, so that the one who reads it may run, that is, live. See, God wanted the vision written down. He wanted it before the people that he was going to deliver them. God was going to deliver. Yes, you're going into Assyria. That's This was during... Habakkuk's time and it was the Assyrians who were about to destroy Israel and they were going to they're going to survive through that and a man named Hezekiah was was in the forefront of of bringing Judah through that but the northern tribes all got taken away but the righteous will live by faith the righteous ones Hezekiah was righteous it says he was a righteous man Jeremiah then writes his book when the Babylonians are coming, about a hundred and some years later. And so the Babylonians came in and they ultimately destroyed Jerusalem, took the people into captivity. But you know who was delivered? Jeremiah. Daniel. Ezekiel. Other righteous ones who went into Babylon. And you know what? They came out. Because God promised they would. And the righteous, the righteous ones, the ones who believed God, would live by faith through that turmoil, through the years of danger, through the years of waiting. How many of us are waiting for our full salvation? Right? We've got partial salvation. No, I know. I'm forever alive with him, and you know, but there's a salvation that has not taken place in my life yet, and that is the saving of this body. But you know what? It's going to happen. And I'm going to live through the, quote, captivity <laughs> of this life. Paul says, Those who are alive and remain. We're aliens in this world. We don't belong here. We're captive on this planet, captive in a body of flesh that sometimes I really don't appreciate. I should. My flesh does not always want to cooperate. I mean, my physical body. But um, you know what? The righteous ones live by faith. Until the fullness of our redemption appears. In the Old Testament time. As as Habakkuk wrote that. That's what he was talking about. There will be people who live through this. Hezekiah did. Others did. They lived through the Assyrian invasion. There are ones who lived through the Babylonian invasion. Who were taken into captivity. And came back from captivity. And. God promised that they would. But they were going to have to do what? Live by faith. But before you can live by faith, you have to be righteous. The righteous will live by faith. So, as we come to the end faith, the faith of Romans 1.17 is first to believe the gospel message. From faith to faith, you've you've got to believe the gospel. And Telling people that they can live a life of success and peace and joy and find healing and find deliverance and find hope without bringing them to the gospel is meaningless. Because unless they are righteous, living by faith is a meaningless pursuit, it's taking you nowhere. We've got to help people find. I believe that there are many people in our circles who are, for lack of another word, pretenders. And it's not up to me to, to decide who they are. But I believe there's a lot of people who are consenting to what Jesus said, but they've never found true salvation. The gospel demands that you believe that Jesus paid the price for your sin, and that God wants to redeem. I believe there's a lot of people who come and they'll say, oh yeah, I, I, I love Jesus, love love the, the worship, like the songs, like the this, like the teachings. Just like many of the people came to the Hebrew synagogues, and they liked what was being taught. They liked the fact that there was only one God, that there was morality being taught. They liked the things that were there, but they'd never committed to believing the truth. To accepting. And that's what Paul talks about. You know, we, we must believe. The righteous live by faith. But you've got to be righteous. The righteous ones. Now, starting in verse 18, next week is going to get kind of ugly. We'll just say it that way. Because we're going to look at some ugly passages because God in the next section he's going to introduce us to three different classes of of people and how the righteousness of God intersects with their life. What God is doing to redeem the really bad sinners (laughs) along with the good sinners and the religious sinners because he's after sinners (laughs) and what does god want to do with the sinners he wants to make them righteous. righteous all right father we thank you for your word tonight thank you for helping us to understand your grace is beyond measure what you have done for us we can read it do our best to understand it. Father, it is so great. And how you worked all of these things that we could be forever in your presence, that we could rejoice before your throne now and always, always into eternity. Father, thank you that you do reign and we reign in life through you. And we thank you for this, Father God, in Jesus' name, amen.